Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. strength from his happiness and help me psalm 100 if you're there say amen psalm 100 and verse number one the bible says uh, a psalm of praise make a joyful noise unto the lord all ye lands serve the lord with gladness come before his presence with singing know ye that the lord he is god it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. Thank you, Brother Brian, for following along with me this morning. I appreciate that. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth is endureth to all generations. Everybody say all generations. Today we are in part four of the Heart of Worship series that Pastor has been teaching. And this is the last of this series. And today's uh, focus is going to be on the direction of worship. The direction of worship. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Having just finished freshly organizing his administration, King Jehoshaphat looked to settle back and take it easy for a while. Before his lazy boy had fully reclined, some messengers interrupted his rest, advising him uh, that uh, there were some things that just simply were not uh, going right. And they, they advised him in Second Chronicles 20 and verse number 2. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria, and behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified. At this news, he marveled at how fast the the circumstances could change, how quickly the tide can turn from great to horrible. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever woke up in the morning and you thought the day was going to be wonderful and bliss and before lunchtime it turned out to be anything but that? However, it didn't matter how afraid he was, the king did what he had been taught to do. And that was he called the entire kingdom together for a time of fasting and prayer. As people came from all over Judah, Jehoshaphat gathered them together in a courtyard outside the temple and the nation sensed the gravity of the moment and the seriousness of the hour and they listened as their king offered up a desperate prayer. 
And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse number 6, And said, O Lord God of our fathers, this is Jehoshaphat praying now, Art thou, are not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art thou, are not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. The king made it clear that their hearts were turned in God's direction. They thought everything was great, and in just a matter of moments learned that there was a, 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 a team or a, an army of enemies coming after them. And while they were perplexed at this, instead of running to someone and talking about their perplexing, instead of uh, sitting down in the fetal position and crying because they were scared, instead of running the other way, the Bible tells us that they turned their direction and their attention toward God. It's important to note this morning that you can worship and not worship God. That's why we have a lesson today on the direction of worship. Uh, we have been talking about having the heart of worship for the past several weeks. Today we're talking about directing that worship toward the right place. And that place is none other than Jesus Christ. It is important to understand today that you can come to church and still not worship. Amen. You can. Now, I know this is, a, this is an apostolic church. This is a Pentecostal church. Uh, we, we are generally not known for, for being the quietest that there is. But you can come to church and have noise and not have worship. All right? Now, I, I love music, all right, not because I play it. I love to listen to it. I do love to play it, but I love to be a part of it. I love to listen to it. I, I love Bishop. It's just envy. Part of my, I think it's part of my God-born DNA. But music starts going. I think my foot's the first thing to move. And sometimes I don't even know it. And there'll, there'll be times, I do it at work now. Some people at work have caught on to it. If I'm, getting, uh, if I'm getting impatient, not that that ever happens, all right? I'm, I'm not saying that I get impatient. I'm just saying if I get impatient or I'm waiting on something, I'll sit there by the pack. I'll start. I've got a tune in my head that sounds pretty good. It's just the beat. There's something about it. But that's not worship. The, the kick of the bass can be worship. 
It's in the Bible. This is in the Bible. All right, that's not what I'm come to talk about, but this is in the Bible. It can be worship, but I can also play the drums and it not be worship. I can play the keyboard and worship. Matter of fact, one of the benefits to being a musician, now I try not to do this because I think you have to lead by example, but it is possible, and Bishop will understand this for sure, but it is possible to play an instrument and never lift your voice, never raise a hand, and still be worshiping. Now see, you, you don't have that option. So sorry. But it's also possible for me to play the keyboard or the piano and not worship. There is plenty of music out there today that glorifies God. Hopefully that's what you listen to. But there's plenty of music out there today that does not glorify God. And to sing the lyrics and to pat your toe to the beat and to clap your hands to the beat or whatever it is that makes you happy, to those types of music is not worship. So it's possible to come to church... Now, now hold, hold on to me here for just a moment, all right? I don't want to confuse anybody. But it is possible to come to church and during a song, clap your hands. And you still not worship. Because clapping hands in and of itself is, does not indicate worship. We have to turn our direction of what we're doing toward the one we want to worship. The Bible says, clap your hands all you people and, somebody who knows it, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. So he, he, did, not, he did not leave the, the subject of clapping hands alone, but clapping hands with a shout is worship. Alright, so it's important to understand that we are trying to turn our attention and our direction toward worshiping. If clapping hands in and of itself was worship, then every time we clapped our hands for a person, we would be worshiping them. We clap our hands to honor people, but we're not worshiping them. So I don't want you to think this morning, and now, now clapping hands is important. That's just one fundamental way of worshiping God when it's done correctly. But what I don't want you to leave here thinking today is that, well, I went to church today and I clapped my hands, so I worship. There is more to worshiping God and putting your direction toward Him than just that exercise. The same goes with anything. I'm just using hand clapping as an example. You can, you can run laps around this place and not be worshiping. You could also run laps around this place and be worshiping. It's all dependent on what your motive is and what you're putting your attention toward. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I grew, up, I grew up in Kentucky. Those of you that know me know that. I know that we do some weird things in the, in the bluegrass state. But I, <laughs> I'm just saying it before some of you have a chance to, all right? But I, grew up, I grew up being taught, Bishop, I grew up being taught because once upon a time, and I, I haven't seen it for years, I think it was probably Camp 1991 was the last time I personally saw it, but I grew up being taught that someone who comes to church and does cartwheels is in their flesh. That that was not of God. 
But I have seen someone one time in my life do a cartwheel that had all appearance of being spiritual and filled with worship. And I'll tell you why I believe that. Because it was a lady and she had a skirt on. And she did a cartwheel. Skirt never moved. Now, you can, you can dissect that however you want to, all right? I'm not giving that the blessing of God and saying it was, but that's why I believe that it was. So there are certain things in life that, that can become worship if we are doing it toward God. But it has to be in giving to Him. Now, why would I worship God when things are bad? Let me ask you a different question this morning if you've ever asked yourself that question. Why not? Because when things are bad, I'm going to put my attention towards something. And I'm either going to put my attention towards something that's positive and something that can help me, or I'm going to put my attention towards something that is destructive or, or anti-God or anti-worship that is not going to help me. So when things are good, it's, it's easy. We come to church, we shout, we clap our hands, we become Pentecostal and we're happy. But when things are bad, that's when we really have to measure the substance of our worship. Is how much are we worshiping God when things in our life are not going the way that we would like for them to go? I turn your attention back to 2 Chronicles. I'm going to go backwards here for just a minute, Brother Brian. But 2 Chronicles 20 and verse number 2, if there was a slide on that scripture. If it wasn't, that's fine. But the Bible says there and there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Engedi. Engedi is a modern-day city in Israel still yet today. Ha-Zazon Tamar is what used to be in Gedi. It was the, the, the name changed. But the name Ha-Zazon Tamar means drawing near to bitterness. All right? Everybody with me? So what I want to bring to your attention this morning is that these Enemies, this great multitude that was coming against Jehoshaphat and Israel, that are coming out of Syria, they're coming out of Hazazon Tamar, they're coming out of a place that is drawing near to bitterness. Here's, here's where we're going to connect the dots this morning. When you do not point your worship in the direction of God, you leave yourself open in your life to bitterness. Because here's what happens when things don't go the way that you want them to go or the way that you think that they should go. Here's what most people do, Christian or not. This is human nature. We let it fester. And we think about it. And we ponder on it. We're at work. And we're doing whatever it is you do on the job. And we're thinking about it. And we're rehearsing that negative imagery over and over. And we're, we're pondering on it. You know what's happening? I'm getting bitter. 
because I'm mad about it. I'm frustrated about it. I don't like it. So instead of letting it go, I'm drawing near to bitterness. What's happening? The enemy is drawing near to me. Hear me this morning. When you're not worshiping, you're getting closer to your enemy than you are to God. Worship has value and it is important in your Christian walk. Everybody worships different. All right, I, but, you, but we will, all right, if we're going to worship, even though everybody worships differently, if you are going to truly worship, we're still going to worship the Bible way. And there are very distinct methods of worship that are called out in the Word of God that is important for us to understand. But we, worship will help defend us against the place of bitterness. Because when, 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 I, when I walk in, Bishop, when I walked into that company in February of 2008, and, and the man, the, my, my boss said, Senior VP wants to see you. And I grabbed my stack of papers and projects thinking he just wanted an update. When I walked into his office and 15 minutes later I walked out without a job, walking to my car, told to my face, don't talk to anybody, don't pack your stuff, I don't want to cause a stir, I just want you to get out. I hadn't done anything wrong. I, 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 <coughs> I am not perfect. <coughs> but they even admit it. This is not because you've done anything wrong. We're just cutting. You're part of the cut. So sorry. See you. Cold, heartless, bloodless. It was tough. But Brother Freddie, on my way to my vehicle that morning, I'd lost my cell phone. I couldn't even call my wife and tell her. My boy was sick and on the way to the doctor. I had no clue what was going on. Life seemed to be just shaking at that moment. But on that moment, Bishop, you know because I came to your house and I told you, on my way to my vehicle that morning, I lifted my, my, my eyes toward the sky and I said, I know in whom I believe. Now let me tell you something this morning. Now I feel my help coming right now. I, I want to tell you the value of worship in your life is that when everything starts to fall apart and everything seems like it's not going right and, and this person doesn't love you and this person don't appreciate you and this company don't want you there anymore, let me tell you something. Don't lose your identity in the things of life that aren't going well. You find your identity in your worship. You find your identity as a child of the living God. Oh, could we magnify him this morning? Hallelujah. That was the first of two times that I have had that happen to me in my walk with God, in my walk of life. And in neither occasion have my wife and I and our son, neither occasion did we do without. In neither occasion did our kitchen cabinets go bare. In neither occasion, this isn't in my notes this morning, but I want to help somebody today. In neither occasion did our bills go unpaid. In neither, matter of fact, one time, one of those times, it was, it was, it was a tax season and our, our property tax was due. Everybody knows what that's like in Mount Carmel. And, and, and we didn't know what we was going to do. And we come home one Saturday after helping somebody in the church move. We come home on a Saturday lunchtime, open the mailbox to get the mail out, and there was a receipt in there. First installment had been paid in full. 
I hadn't visited this, the county clerk. I hadn't wrote a check out to him. I still to this day don't know who did it. But let me tell you who was in control of it. It was the guy that I'm worshiping. It was the one in whom I believe. It was the one I'm pointing my heart and my mind and my spirit's direction toward because I need him. Oh, hallelujah. I'm feeling good in the house of God this morning. We need to point our worship's attention toward God. Somebody shout amen. amen. Why? Why were the kitchen cabinets never bare? Why did the bills go paid? Why? Why, why, why did I put on weight because I had more food unemployed than I do whenever I'm not? Lord have mercy. He was taking care of us. Why? Why did he take care of us like that? Because we continued to come to church. We continued to worship God. We continued to point our heart's direction toward him and say, okay, God, if this is your will for right now, I will accept it and I will worship you. You know, sometimes you have to worship God and thank him for what's wrong. Let me tell you why. Because New Testament scripture, there's a scripture that says, in everything, give thanks. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, in everything. Look at your other neighbor and say, I mean everything. In everything, give thanks. But he doesn't stop there. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, I don't know that he's talking about when we make stupid mistakes. But when life happens and there are things that come upon you that you cannot control and that in your flesh you're tempted to bitterness but your spirit man is reminding you that you need to worship because worship will separate you from bitterness. Now, some of you this morning thinking, well, I, I'm, I'm not bitter. You don't know if you're bitter or not until it's too late. And I'm telling you, the only thing to separate you from that bitterness is worship. It's getting into the presence of God. Hazazon Tamar is bitterness. But it became Angedi. You know what Angedi is today? It is the second largest oasis in the country of Israel. It's right to the west of the Dead Sea. It's a beautiful place. It's no longer a place of bitterness. How do I go from bitterness to oasis? I worship. I worship. I point my worship toward Him. King made it clear that their hearts were turned in God's direction. The prayer and worship that they were offering at the moment was aimed at the Lord. As his prayer came to an end, the attention of the people was still toward heaven. Their ears were attuned to listening for God's voice. Then the Spirit of the Lord moved upon a Levite named Jehaziel, and he began to prophesy. And in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse number 15, the Bible says, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, 
and thou king Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. Man, can you, but God's. All right, let me finish there before I move on. For the battle is not yours, but God. Can you imagine, just for a moment, that in every circumstance that you come up against, every wall, barrier, devil that you fight in life that comes against you, when you first feel fear, you know it's something to face and fight. Can you imagine if the voice of the Lord would prophesy to you and say, uh, don't worry about this, the battle's not yours, it's mine. Brother Mike Trout, we wouldn't have a care in the world. We might not have any faith either. We wouldn't need it. But we wouldn't have a care in the world because we'd know God's on our side. Man, we'd be walking in tall cotton, chest out, shoulders squared back, and we'd be just daring every devil we saw to come at us. You just come on. You come on. You think you got something, you just come on and bring it because he's already told me this is his battle. Wouldn't you? You'd have confidence. You'd be oozing with confidence. Instead of sweat, you'd be oozing with confidence. It'd just be pouring out of you. I've got this. God's got this. Let me tell you something. Whether you ooze with confidence or not, God's got this. And the way that we're going to recognize God's got this is to get into an atmosphere of worship and point our worship in His direction and know that we walk by faith, not by sight. And that if God be for us, who can be against us? Nothing can separate us. I'm quoting scripture now. Nothing can separate us from God. So he may not prophesy to me every time, but his book still tells me that he is for me, not against me. And that's as prophetic sometimes as I need. Because I know he's got plans for me, Jeremiah 29, 11. And he's going to give me an expected end. Maybe some of you need to put Jeremiah 29, 11 on your refrigerator and rehearse it every time you go to get your sweet tea and know that God is for you and not against you. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. We need an atmosphere of worship. You know what started in this church? For those of you that weren't around then, it was worship. This church was built on worship. It was the framework and the backbone of everything we did. And it should still be that way today. As the prophecy went forth, the people fell on their faces and, hear this, worshipped the Lord for His promised power, provision, and deliverance. To further demonstrate Jehoshaphat's priority of worship, Early the next morning, he sent singers and musicians to lead the army into battle. There's two things I want to point out to you from that statement. One is that worship does not happen by accident. You must make, if you are going to worship God, you must make it a priority in your life. Worship should not just be an event. It should not just be something we do at Sunday mornings at 10 and Sunday nights at 6. Worship should be a lifestyle. It should become who we are. Who are you? I'm worship. I'm Judah. I'm praise. I am a part of God's people. It should be something that we are just known for, not just an event that we do. The next morning, he sent singers and musicians to lead the army into battle. Ladies and gentlemen, newsflash for you this morning. That is what we're doing when we start service with praise and worship, singing. 
If you've ever wondered why we have the structure the way we do of our services, that is a worship set first and then preaching, is because the singers and musicians are going into battle for you first. In God's army, frontline soldiers are not the expert marksmen with the bow. They're behind the singers and the musicians. Why? Because worship wins our battles. You find it in the Word of God. When they worshiped, they got there, their enemies were slain. When, they were, when, when 300 made a noise, there were, there were hundreds of thousands that ran because they heard this great tumultuous noise and they couldn't imagine where it come from because God elevated the noise. When you worship your enemy of life, your enemy of your soul, the devils that chase you and fight after you and haunt you, when you get into a mind of putting your direction of worship where it belongs, they will run from you. The Lord defeated their enemy. We have to make priority of worship. We understand in our services, singers and musicians lead us into battle. And when you pick up your cue at that point and you begin to worship and you march with your eyes upon the Lord, that's when God will begin to fight your battles for you. But if we approach worship, if we approach worship in our church services, as, well, I just want to get through the singing so I can hear some word. Now, you may feel that way whenever I'm singing, and that I can understand. But if we approach worship as something that we just want to get through, or we just want to humor everybody until that song is over because I don't like that song, then the word's not going to mean near as much to you. tell you why anyone here ever had surgery of any type several people all right anyone who wants to volunteer to go under that surgery awake and without anesthetic or he's shaking his head no real fast I'm with you brother you want that anesthetic I won't be asleep I don't want to know what they're doing to me. I just want to know it's all right when I wake up, right? Worship is the anesthetic to the Word. The Word is the surgery that sometimes cuts deep into us. And you're not going to get as much out of the Word as you would if you have not first worshipped. If I come into a church service cold and, and I haven't worshipped, and Bishop's just going at it, and he's laying down the law, and it's one of them black and white services, and he's just saying, thou shalt not, and this and so, and <clears throat> straighten up for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You're lost, you're hypocrite, whatever. If he's just really, really bold and, and getting at it, you know what my flesh is going to do? I'm going to get bitter. I'm going to draw closer to Hazazah Rome, Tamar, because... I'm not ready for that. I'm not equipped for it. I'm not prepared for it. But if I have first worshipped, I'm prepared to receive. And worship in God's 
direction. Their hearts were turned into the direction of their creator and God defeated their enemy. We are all, say it with me, we are all worshipers. Every one of us. Every one of us. Saved, unsaved, Christian, non-Christian, every single person is a worshiper. The question is, is what are we worshiping? There's a difference between worshipers is not always style or expression. The difference lies in the object of our worship. Some people worship money. Some people worship their job, their home, their cars. Some people, you know, there's a lot lot of strange people. Some people worship TV characters. I've, I've read articles where people would, would call in to, to news stations and talk shows and talk about wanting to pray for somebody or concern for somebody and find out that, that somebody wasn't even a real person. It was a character on their favorite TV show that was about to die. Some people worship their family. I know, I know it's gotten quiet, but that's, that's just a matter of fact. I, I, love, I love my wife beyond words, but I do not love her more than God. The greatest expression of love that I can give her, listen to this, this, is, this sounds paradoxical, but it's not. The greatest expression of love that I can render to my wife is to not love her above God. I'm actually... I'm actually loving her more by putting God first than I am by not putting God first. Now you just put that in the back molars and soak on that one for a while and think about it. But there are different things that people worship. But true followers of Jesus Christ will worship Him and Him alone. Anything else is idolatry. We don't look at it that way because we in, in the United States of America do not typically have statues that we bow down and worship to. Other countries still have those types of customs in some areas, but that is exactly what's happening. Anything you put before God, anything you give priority to above Him, becomes a form of worship to that object. And you are rendering your worship to that object instead of God. Romans 1.25 says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. The individuals that Paul wrote about chose to worship and serve creation, people, things, objects, more than the God who created them. <coughs> and the end result of worshiping self and sinful pleasure is abandonment by God. Our direction of worship today needs to be one that is in the direction of God. You know, to think about being abandoned by God is a pretty horrible subject. I don't want to be abandoned by Him. There's a New Testament scripture that talks about if, if we don't praise Him, that the rocks would cry. I wonder what it would do to us sometimes 
if if a, if a, we was to set a rock in here, and if it was to monitor our behavior, if that rock would actually get lips. Now I know this is really far fetched, but just stay with me. If that rock would, would grow a pair of lips real fast, and would begin calling out praise that we should be calling out. I know that's really left field, all right, and that's extremely literal. I don't know, I don't pretend to know the depth of meaning behind that statement, but he did clearly say that if we did not praise him, that the rocks would cry out. Now, what form or fashion the rock cries out, I don't know, but I can tell you right now, I don't want to find out. If God can make a donkey speak intelligibly with words, Who am I to say that an inanimate object can't praise God? I say, well, you're, you're crazy. You've lost, you're off your rocker. Maybe, maybe. But while I'm off my rocker, I'm going to praise him. I'm going I'm to worship him. I'm going to point my direction of worship toward him. Psalms 100 and verse number 2, we read it already once, but I want to read it again. It says, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with Singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Not only should we make a joyful noise unto the Lord, but when we serve, we are to serve in his direction. The Bible tells us in that verse 2 that we just read, serve the Lord with gladness. When you serve others, I ask you a couple of questions this morning. When you serve other people, are you doing it for recognition? Are you serving for personal fulfillment? Is your service to others being offered as a sacrifice of praise unto the Lord? Because whenever I offer my praise to God, I can't, for it to be classified as praise or worship, I cannot give it to Him on the contingency that, God, I'm going to worship you this morning if you heal me. There can't be a boomerang effect. God, I'm going to worship you if you'll touch my kid. God, I'll worship you if you'll heal my family. God, I'll worship you if you'll give me a job. No, it's God, I'm going to worship you for who you are. I worship you because you're God. I worship you because you're almighty. I worship you because you're great. Not because of anything that you do for me or because of anything that I need. Because sometimes, the reality is in our human nature, sometimes we do things for other people and our motives aren't 100% right. Just, I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll be transparent with you this morning. I'll give you an example. Just a few days ago when there was still ice and snow on the ground, I was leaving work. It was after dark. And uh, I had dress shoes on myself, and it was, it was slippery. A lot of the snow had melted and refrozen, so it was a little, a little bit like the ice skate syndrome in the parking lot. You know what I'm referring to. And there was a, a lady that, uh, that works for us out in the factory, uh, she struggles to walk already. She has a she has a cane, and she she struggles with one of her knees really bad, and and her car was a good fifty feet away, 
And, and I, I saw her, and I put my stuff in the trunk, Brother Josh, and I went and I grabbed her by the arm and I said, all right, let's go. Turned my flashlight on on my phone, and we walked step by step, and, and we, got, we got to her car. She got in. I got home. I was late. And later than I told my wife I was going to be, so I was explaining to her what I had done and what, what, what the time gap was, and she said, well, that was mighty chivalrous of you. And then I felt guilty. I said, well, before you pat me on the back too much, yeah, I wanted to help her out. I said, but also, I wanted to escape the liability. I didn't want her to fall. Now, that may sound horrible to you this morning. I didn't want her to fall for her, but I also didn't want her to fall for lack of suing the company. My point is, in transparency, is that sometimes we do things for other people and the reason isn't about them. Before you judge me too fast, just do a little inventory first. If we're not careful, we'll bring that same mentality, though, to our worship. I need something, so I'll worship you, but when I don't need anything, I'm not going to worship you. I'm just going to, I'm just going to exist. Well, if you just exist, you have a right to be here. We welcome you, and that's fine. But I want you to understand today that, that God has more for you than just coming to church and existing. And that there is a deeper meaning in life and a deeper walk with God that is available to you if you will worship Him when things are good and when things aren't good if you'll still continue to worship Him. Putting our direction of worship in his direction is the element of life that makes a difference. I don't do it just because I need something. In those occasions where I lost employment, Bishop, we did not worship God anymore, I don't think unemployed than we did employed. I didn't worship him to get a job. I continued to worship him because he is God. And whether I was employed or not, he was worthy. I, I, I say that <coughs> just to hopefully lead by example and demonstrate to you that, that we don't change our worship behavior based on what's going on in life. God honors consistency. God honors faithfulness. There are a few reasons why we should make worship all about Him. One is, and they're very simple reasons, but one is the Lord is good. There's not a thing He's ever done to me or for me that's not good. Now, I need to understand that sometimes in his goodness I don't understand it. <clears throat> but on the back side of the circumstance I can see that he is good. So let me remind you today if you're, if you're going downtown metropolis uh, problems and issues and uh, the, the circumstances of life, don't set up a mailbox, don't, don't set up an address there and, and move in, you're just passing through. And while I'm passing through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to acknowledge that it's just a shadow. A shadow never killed anybody. A shadow never hurt anybody. It may make you hurt yourself, but a shadow never hurt anybody. 
I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep worshiping because on the backside of my circumstances, there's going to be goodness and mercy following me. All right? And I'm going to worship <coughs> the name of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 13 and 12 says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And if I could explain that verse very simply this way, there are times in life we're not going to understand everything. We're not going to be able to see clearly. If I'm looking through a glass, a dark glass, I can't see through it. I can't see clearly. There are times in life I cannot see clearly. That's why I walk by faith. That's why my walk with God is not predicated on my knowledge. It's not predicated on things that I know or on God telling me up front. Sometimes He's not going to tell me at all. He's going to let me figure it out on the back side. But I'm going to keep worshiping Him. I'm going to keep loving Him. I'm going to keep contributing to Him. I'm going to stay faithful to Him. John 16, says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace in the world. You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I don't know why in the world we wouldn't want to stay close to someone that's not an overcomer. The peace giver. The way maker. The problem solver. He has the answer to every problem I have before I know I've got a problem. The second reason for us to make our worship about Him is that His mercy is everlasting. His mercy will never run out. It's unfailing. It never stops. The Apostle John wrote, God is love. He never stops loving. Even when we stop loving Him and we stop demonstrating our love for Him and we walk away from Him, He never stops loving. His love is unfailing. The third reason for us to make our worship about God is that His truth endures to all generations. Psalm 100 and verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. The psalmist wrote this verse when this verse was written in the original text is in Hebrew and it ends with the word emunah which means firm, steadfast, or faithful. Whenever we say that His truth endureth to all generations we're saying that He is firm, He's steadfast, and He's faithful. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother and He'll never walk away. He's faithful. He is forever faithful. He's faithful when we don't worship. And the reason why we misunderstand the truth behind and the value behind worship sometimes is because there are times He is so good to us that we don't worship Him and He still gives us what we want. But He is faithful. Aren't you glad He's faithful this morning? Aren't you thankful for His mercies? Aren't you thankful today for who he is. I close with this this morning in the book of Joshua. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 24. Very familiar passage of scripture. Joshua 24 and 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. 
and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. That verse is a mouthful in and of itself. But he continues on in verse number 15 to say, And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Stand with me this morning, if you would, please. I close with this this morning. I'm going to ask Bishop to come and lead us in prayer today. And we prepare to dismiss. Worship. Worship is a choice. And the reason why it's a choice is because sometimes there's no feeling. I, I love, we, we haven't had one in a while, a long while. It's kind of a dry season, I suppose. But, you know, those, those rare services where everybody's just a huckabucking and shouting and running and dancing and the music's going crazy and worship's just, you know, I like it. You can feel it. There, there's times that feeling has been so strong in the presence of the Lord that, that you, you just don't know what to do. And there's times we've gotten up here and said, don't know what to do. Just, just worship. People worship. Laid out in the spirit, some laughing, some crying, some rejoicing. But there are times we come to church and it doesn't matter how sincere I am, but the lifting of the hands does not render a feeling in return. I don't feel like dancing. I don't feel like leaping for joy. I don't feel like running. I don't feel like shouting. I don't feel like screaming hallelujah to the top of my voice. I don't feel a thing. But if I understand the virtue of worship... I know that even with my hands lifted and my voice lifted in praise to God, whether I felt anything or not, he did. And if I'm putting my worship in his direction because worship is about his worth, it's worth-ship, technically. How much, how much worth do you have in your God is, is realized by how much you worship him? Now, that's a hard pill to swallow. But when I understand that coming to church is not worship, singing songs is not worship, and clapping hands does not mean I've worshipped, but whenever I surrender and render my heart toward God, even, whether, even when I don't feel anything, and I'm still praising Him, ladies and gentlemen, I have worshipped. We need to point our worship into the direction of God. Joshua's final plea was choose the direction you're going to take. I'm asking somebody this morning in the spirit of the Lord today is to choose the direction you're going to take. And I'm telling you instructively from the word of God today that the direction you take needs to be in worship.
It needs to be in God's direction. If you turn to the beggarly elements of this world and slip away from the truth of God, yes, God will still love you, but he may not cover you. I want more than just God's love. I want God's covering. And that comes by being in the presence of God. Would you lift your hands with me this morning? Would you lift your hands today and with your heart and your mind and your spirit begin to call on the name of the Lord today? I don't want to find blessings stripped away and promises forfeited because I chose another direction. I need, I need to point my worship toward God. Lift your voice to Him this morning. Somebody warm up your praise for a little while today. As Bishop comes this morning, let's worship Him. Let's worship Him. Let's worship Him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. This altar is always open. Amen. We never want to close the service without giving somebody the chance. Amen. To pray this morning. Thank you, Brother Mason, for the word of God this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Could we bow our heads this morning? If you need to come, then that's fine. You come. We'll pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus. We thank you for the word of God this morning. We know that it's already ever settled in heaven, God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for the word that God will move our minds and our spirits, Lord Jesus, today. Lord, we know without a shadow of a doubt that you're worthy, Lord, of worship. God, you stretched out your arms and you gave your life, God, for us. Lord, we owe you worship. If we would praise you from the dawn of the day, Lord, till the setting of the sun, it would not be enough, Lord. Praise and honor and glory that belongs to you. I pray that today, God, you would go with us from this service. Bring us back, Lord, again at 6 o'clock tonight. Lord Jesus, let us come early, Lord, and seek you in the prayer room before church. But, Lord, when we walk into this sanctuary... We'll be ready to worship you. We'll be ready to lift you up and praise you, God. In the name of Jesus, be with every individual here. Protect them, Lord, today, we pray. Bring them back tonight at the appointed time with victory in their hearts and their souls. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. Man, before, we, before we leave this morning, uh, two things. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.